Chapter Six of In the Pecos Country by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six: The Apache Attack. The Apaches are coming! The Apaches are coming! Shouted Sut Simpson as his mustang thundered up to the edge of the valley, while his clear, powerful voice rang out like a bugle. The words were startling enough and the sudden dropping of a dozen bombshells among the unfinished dwellings of New Boston could not have created greater consternation, emphasized as they were, by the towering form of the hunter and steed, who looked as if they had been fired from the throat of some immense columbiad, and had not as yet recovered from their bewilderment. There was some system, however, in the movements of the pioneers, for there was ever present in their thoughts the very danger which had now come upon them so suddenly. In the structure which was nearest completion were placed the dozen women and children, while the other houses that were in a condition to afford the means of defense were taken possession of by the men, gun in hand, ready to defend themselves to the last. Fortunately enough, the horses happened to be corralled within the enclosure, so that, unless the defense should utterly fail, there was little danger of their being stampeded by the Indians. While these hurried preparations were going on, the hunter remained seated upon his mustang, looking down upon the pioneers with a gathering calmness, as though he were a general watching the evolutions of his army. Now and then, he anxiously gazed off over the prairie, his manner showing that he was mentally comparing the speed of the approaching Apaches with that of the labors of his friends. To Fred Munson, perched in the top of the lofty tree, the whole scene seemed like a hurrying panorama of a dream. He never once thought of his own personal danger in the intensity of his interest in what was going on before his eyes. The hunter had scarcely checked his mustang when the lad saw the Apaches appear upon a ridge some distance behind. It was less than two miles away, and they all dashed over at the place where the avant-courier had come at his breakneck pace, and as soon as they were all over, and stretching away in the direction of the settlement, Fred had some chance of estimating their number. "'There must be a thousand of them,' he muttered in a terrified voice. They will murder us all. None can get away." His imagination, however, intensified matters. The Apaches numbered several hundred, and armed to the teeth as they were, brave, daring, and mounted upon the best of horses, they were as formidable a party as if they were composed of so many white desperadoes of the border. A month before they would have walked over this party of pioneers, but there is no teacher like experience and in the long journey across the plains, marked by innumerable skirmishes with the redskins, the settlers had acquired a coolness and steadiness under fire which was invaluable in such emergencies as this. But Simpson still maintained his position, glancing from the settlement below him to the approaching Apaches with that quick nervous motion which showed only too plainly that he felt a crisis was at hand and he could delay only a few moments longer. It was a thrilling sight, the hurried preparations of the pioneers and the swift approach of their assailants. The latter came in no regular order, but swept along like so many centaurs, at first well together, 
but as they approached the valley, gradually separating and spreading out like a slowly opening fan until the crescent was several hundred yards in breadth, and it looked as if they intended to surround the settlement. Such being their apparent purpose, the hunter speedily saw that it would not do to stay another second. He had come to warn the whites of their danger, and now that it had burst upon them, he emphasized his good intentions by dashing down the valley and leaping from the back of his mustang took his place among a dozen defenders who were gathered in the building with the women and children. His horse was covered with foam and sweat, for his master had ridden like Paul Revere, and he needed the rest that was now given him. He possessed extraordinary intelligence, and Sut knew that he could be thoroughly depended upon in case matters got mixed and a stampede was attempted by the assailants. There was no dilly-dallying. The most serious kind of business impended, and all were forced to prepare for it. In a twinkling, as it seemed, the hurry, bustle, and confusion suddenly ceased. Everything settled down into quiet, and the defenders, with their loaded rifles, calmly awaited the assault that was soon to be made. As the Apaches neared the valley, they gradually slackened their speed, but all reached the margin from which they could look down upon the pioneers with their steeds upon a gallop, and then, without checking them, branched still further apart, and speeding down the slope, began the battle forthwith. In an instant the sharp crack-crack of rifles was heard from different directions as the Apaches opened fire upon the whites, who showed an equal readiness in replying. The Indians never allowed their steeds to rest. They were constantly in motion, back and forth, round and round, circling here and there, seemingly at times in inextricable confusion, but with a certain system as shown in the evolutions of a large party upon a stage, and with the result of never interfering with one another's efficiency. Some of the Apaches, and the very wantonness of their skilful horsemanship threw themselves from side to side upon the backs of their steeds, firing under the neck or belly with as much accuracy as if from the saddle. None of them were furnished with the regulation saddle. Some had blankets, while most were mounted bareback. Their skill was little short of the marvelous. Again and again one of the redskins would make a lunge over the side of his animal as though he were going to plunge headlong into the earth, but catching his toe over the spine of his horse, he would sustain himself apparently by no other means while he kept up his fusillade. When his horse wheeled so as to expose the rider to the fire of the whites, the Indian would quickly swing over the other side, where he would continue the same demonstrations. Thus it was that within five minutes after the Apaches came down in the valley, the settlement was surrounded by several hundred who were circling back and forth and sending in their shots whenever the opportunity presented itself. The wood, to which frequent reference has been made, it will be remembered, was situated some distance from the settlement, and as Fred Munson was perched in a tree upon the other side, many of the gyrating horsemen were frequently shut out from his view by the intervening trees, but enough was constantly in view to keep his excitement up to the highest pitch, and to cause him to forget his own prominence as a target. As has been already said, the settlers, from behind their entrenchments, were prompt in returning the fire of their assailants, 
the effect upon persons who had never been brought in collision with Indians would have been to bewilder and terrify them. It is very probable that such was one of the principal objects of the Apaches in making their attack as they did, but it failed utterly in that respect. Carefully avoiding any exposure of themselves, they popped away right and left, the reports of the rifles mingling together, while the warriors, as they tumbled to the ground here and there, showed how effectual the defense of the pioneers was. The Apaches scarcely expected such a vigorous defense, and after losing several of their best men, they widened their circles so as to avoid such a close range, and fired more seldom, but with greater care. New Boston was a peculiarly built, or rather laid out, city. If Caleb Barnwell committed an absurdity in attempting to plant a settlement in the valley of the Rio Pecos when the entire surrounding country was hostile, he showed some wisdom in the manner in which he conducted matters after the attempt was made. The town was in an irregular circle, with a grassy court in the center, in which were pitched their horses. Knowing how indispensable these animals were to men in such circumstances, there could be but little doubt that the Apaches would make a desperate attempt to stampede them, and the whites were therefore on the lookout for such an effort. Not only Sut Simpson, but Barnwell, and a number of the principal men held fire after the first repulse, so as to meet such an essay at the very instant it was attempted. The Apaches edged away some distance under the galling fire of the pioneers, until the watchful hunter saw them hurriedly massing on the slope above. He knew the meaning of that the moment he perceived the action. "'Be ready! They're coming for the animals!' he shouted, in a voice so loud the words were distinctly heard by Fred Munson from his perch in the tree. All those who held empty rifles hastily reloaded them, and the others, raising the hammers of their weapons, fixed their eyes upon the hideously painted forms which resembled so many demons about to sweep down upon them. There was barely time for preparation, and in another minute the horde came rushing down the slope like a mountain torrent, their objective point being the square where the horses were secured. Before they could reach them, however, the settlers poured in their most murderous volleys, bringing many a glaring redskin to the earth, wounding a number of their animals, and creating such a panic that the foremost swerved off to the right and dashed up the valley, followed by the others, while the property of the whites remained uninjured. The first attack of the Apaches resulted in a repulse, and that too when led by Lone Wolf, but the peril was not past. That war chief had learned the situation fully, and there was no danger of his repeating this blunder. The next time he was sure to succeed. End of chapter 6 Read by Thomas Rose